What are your strongest memories of Mechanicsville? Living in Mechanicsville, being raised in Mechanicsville, the only thing that I, that comes up to me, it, it was home. I guarantee you, if you asked 100 people why Mechanicsville is called Mechanicsville, they won't get the answer right. You could, you could stay in Mechanicsville because that's a safe place. 2015, I would say, before really the developers found Mechanicsville. This is Memories of Mechanicsville, a mostly audio time capsule made up of snapshots from life in the neighborhood. Close your eyes for a second. Picture home. Somewhere that makes you feel safe and warm from head to toe. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? Who's there with you? If you wanted to go there today, could you? Today I want to tell you a bit about my home. The house that stood at 189 Hinchy Avenue in Mechanicsville. I lived in that house for all my life, from 1997 until April of 2020. I want to tell you about that place with the three other people who made it home. My mom, who lived there for about 40 years, my dad, who spent nearly 35 years there, and my brother, who lived there since he was born in 1992. What you're about to hear is a conversation fabricated from four separate interviews. All of these interviews happened on different days, and no more than two of us were ever present at once. And yet, our memories of 189 Hinchy Avenue still had a way of speaking to one another. Editing these clips together felt like I was following a natural flow of conversation. Each one of our recollections ebbed into each other while still maintaining some uniqueness between each wave. Well, of course, I have a lot of memories of the house there. It was a small standard size house um, with, uh, it was two, it was made into a double at some point. So there was a one bedroom unit in the back and a two bedroom up front. Well, even the layout of the house was very, very unique for a house. And that always blew people's minds whenever, you know, invite them over. Uh, just the walking right in through the, not the front door, because he's, you, we never used the front door. That was just uh, for show. <laughs> and they come in through the back door, and then there was two doors there, because it used to be two, like at a, our home and then a back apartment. I remember we changed it into one house because uh, of a growing family. I guess when I came along, everyone sort of realized, I know that you and I shared a bedroom for a while. For a while, yeah. Um, so I don't even know. Room, yeah. yeah, and so I don't really remember when we decided to change it, but I guess like once you know we were both getting bigger, we decided to turn the duplex into 
like take over the backside. So it was always super weird because there was a clear distinction between one side of the house and the other side of the house. There's the two doors. Nobody was ever sure which door to go to, but it was always the one on the right. Then you go right, you step right into the kitchen. And it, it was just, you you were inside the house, in the heart of the house pretty much, like right there and, and there as soon as you step in the front door. And it was very unique that way. And then, you know, you can move to the living room and then have to go up the stairs and then down the stairs to get to the other apartment and everything. It was just... It was essentially a mirror on either side with bedrooms smashed in between. So it was like the bathrooms on the extremities, the kitchens down below, like underneath the bathrooms, and then just a weird slew of bedrooms in between. It had character, I would say. It had a lot of flaws and a lot of, um, uh, yeah, uh, ancient almost kind of uh, crawl space with the plumbing and furnace and things down there. It was. It always felt old. Like it, it. We always knew that the base structure was old. Even having a crawl space instead of a basement. Like I don't know any other homes that have that. Just a weird cave underneath your house. Like that's weird. <laughs> it was literally a cave too. It was not like it would, you wouldn't put any furniture in there. You wouldn't put no. anything in there except maybe like a few storage things because it wasn't even that big. But it was really. damp too because it was literally like you'd get, you'd, so we had a trap, basically a trap door in our kitchen. Eventually we had two. Eventually we had two <laughs> because we had to get the furnace in there when the heck got replaced. So we had the trap door in the kitchen that would lead to the crawl space and it was, it was literal bedrock beside you. Bedrock and dirt. Uh, it, uh, they, those houses, none of those houses were really built to last a hundred years. They were built with scrap from the lumber mills. We could tell that whenever we did a renovation, we, we, they looked like used boards that were used to build this house. But I do always remember, yeah, when you lift the trap door, you could see the like seven layers worth of different floorings and like whatever. But the baseboards were always this like really used lumber. Really worn out. Like it's, it was old. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, I think that's kind of, it always, I always felt like the 189 was making itself known that it was old. Like, hiding that fact at all. It never tried to hide it. As much as it tried to modernize itself and we tried to put new coats of paint on it, it always felt old. I mean, you could call it quirky. I lived with it because I could manage to repair most of the things or upgrade it. It had character. It was a nice, pleasant little house. But um, I think uh, it had, I would say, passed its due date, though. It was beyond uh, with the, the work it needed on it. So, I, I don't think you would have been able to keep it in, um, keep it looking beautiful. It wasn't the most functionable house, is the best way, we'll, is the kindest possible way I could describe it. It was not, you know, designed for function necessarily. It was clearly adapted for convenience. You wouldn't design a house like this in this day and age. So, like... In terms of design and the uniqueness of the house, that that's how I would describe it. And the wonderful family of, you know, very kind and, you know, appreciative, you know, people and with my whole family, you included. Um, but yeah, I had a wonderful home environment, and I can't say enough good things about it. 
you know, it it tried its best. The 189-inchy tried its best. But I think regardless, it was still... I have such fond attachment to it. And I, like, it was always... I think maybe that's why I have such fond attachment to it, is it was always what we needed it to be. Because we were able to adapt it and because it really grew with us and sort of especially once we all started getting more comfortable at whatever once we started growing up it, we would all start adding little touches to it people would always come over and say you know it felt like a home it felt lived in anybody that's ever come over to hard place any of my friends everybody always says that it felt so homey so you know like a real real home where you know people actually lived in we have more knickknacks than any family i think feel like i've ever ever encountered because it really did feel like the house grew with us and which i think to a certain point you know we did outgrow it so that makes sense um i think there's always sort of a limit to how much we could change to it no i think we had a lot of funny times there it was a good house many christmases we did well there yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we would have to put way too much money into it to make it last long any longer and uh, yeah no memories weren't with the house that makes sense I I find it interesting now with um, saying that the three siblings owned those three spots that now all three buildings are looking alike (laughs) that's a good point a lot more alike than they did for for 200 years (laughs) Last episode, we learned about the triplet houses. Three houses on Hinchy Avenue, including the 189, that came down only recently, and now three other multi-unit dwellings that look very similar to each other have popped up in their place. While houses coming down in Mechanicsville isn't at all a new phenomenon, it still felt like something got lost. In an Ottawa Citizen article over 50 years ago, in 1971, lifelong Mechanicsville resident Thomas Brown was quoted, saying, When you pull up roots and transfer, you're leaving the memories of your life behind, and you don't get paid for them. The price of a house in Mechanicsville is so much more than just pennies and dimes. This is just a snapshot of the wealth of memories from one small house in the heart of Mechanicsville, And while this is a deeply personal story, both for my family and for each one of us as individuals, I hope you can hear some of yourself, some of your own home, in the stories that we shared. Now, when you walk the streets of Mechanicsville, and you see these wood frames full of character houses sat side by side with polished, multi-unit dwellings, you can think about the people who grew up there, the people who remember every nook and cranny of the sidewalks, and the people who lived in the homes that you'll never get to see. This episode was written and produced by me, Miranda Gallup-Payton. Music by Martin Shellikins and Blear Moon. Additional voice talents you heard in this episode are courtesy of John Walsh. Thank you to my family, Dale, Morgan, and Meredith, for taking the time to share all of your memories with me. Check out 
memoriesmechanicsville.wordpress.com for more information about this episode and the future of this podcast series.